Hello and welcome back to the Egg Attack Podcast. As always, I'm your host, the totally canon Grey Jedi, Jay. And joined as always is my co-host, super fan who just won't come to terms with that, Z. How you doing today, Z? That was an accurate one. You know uh, I hate Grey Jedi. Oh, I know. That's why they I did it. Exist. It was very accurate. Mm, they're not canon, and you know it. Mm, they could be, though. Uh-oh. Isn't it canon legends or whatever? I don't know. I'm not a nerd. Anyway, so we watched Green Knight this week. This week, today, actually, when we're recording this. And actually not recording in the middle of the night like we normally do. So we are actually have some sort of energy, maybe, uh, in our we'll bones. We'll see. We'll see. Gen- let's do general thoughts first before we get into the nitty-gritty. thought it was a little weird. I also thought it was a little weird, but I, I can't say I didn't expect that. I guess we knew we were going to do right. It's yeah, a- it is an A20. Again, this movie is, I guess, spoilers, first oh, yeah, off. First of all, and it's uh, an A24 picture, so kind of an indie studio. They do weird movies. So I didn't expect this to be like a Marvel movie at all. I'd mm-hmm. be kind of like artsy and kind of weird, but I'm like, oh, that's Camelot. They'll probably just do like cool shots of castles and stuff. And it was kind of it's kind of weird. It wasn't much of that. No, not at all. Yeah, I agree. I, the trailers, like, they, I would say they convey mostly what the movie's like. I guess I was, if anything, just kind of hoping there would be a little more than the trailer show. But again, I wasn't disappointed or surprised by what it ended up being. Yeah, I wasn't. I was not surprised either. Yeah, it's definitely a little weird. There's some there's some quite weird sections in particular. Um, I don't. So we, after the fact, right? You and I looked up the uh, the traditional like poem of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, and in that's it's different it's a, a lot of same but i think there's like different details added in here the the whole part with winifred in this movie that's not in the poem yeah at all that's just described like that is like a medieval story but it's not usually involved in the arthurian legend at all is that given to gawain who's yeah. the knight in this story um but yeah i don't know i was mostly good for the most part it was a little too like ominous and almost i mean i don't want to say scary it obviously wasn't a horror movie or anything but they really dialed that up sometimes like oh it's spooky what's going on yeah i feel like there's kind of just a24 is kind of that's kind of that's kind of a lot of their movies yeah except for i guess probably the florida project i guess not all of their movies like the florida project or good times both pretty good movies i've seen ladybird is like that's true ladybird also it's isn't, not like isn't, spooky. isn't spooky over the top yeah but a lot of their most famous ones like midsummer this one with the sheep. Yeah, I think they did Hereditary as well. Hereditary, sure. um, The Lighthouse. Those are more ominous and spooky. Yeah, they are. So, like, I guess, again, shouldn't have been surprised. I guess I was hoping for a little more, like, actual Arthurian knight stuff. And, like, there was almost no knighting to be had. Yeah, he's, he's just not a knight. Yeah, also, that's something they talked about. So, the unique spin on it for this movie is somewhat, like, the timeline stuff of it, I guess. So, like, obviously, it's not a story about Arthur, so they don't get to do a lot of that. Because we don't know about, like, his extended family and all that. And, like, none of the other knights are... They seem to all be present. Like, obviously, the dudes sitting at the table are presumably all the, the knights, knights of the round table. table but, but none of them are named. not or, named or they don't really do much. They don't have any lines. They just pull out their swords and the green knight comes. Yeah. So, like, we don't get a lot about Arthur's fault. But the thing I was saying is, like, this setup where Gawain is young and not yet a knight, while Arthur is, like, old and dying, is not really the traditional way of it. Also, the way in which, I guess, who knows what the, who knows, like, who's in on the Green Knight? Because yeah. in the story, it's Morgan Le Fay who sends it to scare the queen. In the, yeah, in the, the original, story. like, the poem, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the poem. Apparently, the whole, the motive was to literally try to scare Guinevere to death, which didn't really work. It didn't really work. But in this story, 
in the story in this movie i keep saying story when none of these are really the traditional like book stories yeah in the movie the green knight is just kind of arthur it's implied to just be king arthur kind of controlling him and his mother him and king arthur and maybe probably the queen are all in on it because i mean if you think back so is that how you took it yeah because i i just think about it now because like arthur kind of like the one it builds up to like his mom doesn't go yeah and then she's doing her she's magic. she's gonna she's doing the summoning on christmas eve which is a big part of the story and then arthur's like oh tell Gawain to come here and then the Gawain comes and then he's like hey do you have a story to tell me like what i need to know you better See, and he says i don't have a story and then the queen says yet and then when the green knight arrives she's the one who opens the letter and speaks i thought this is the what i took from it that that was all his mother manipulating all those people because there was i don't know if you noticed it but like there were certain times where, um, I don't even know how to describe it, like, the camera, it would get all dark, the shot would get dark, and, like, it was just this weird, like, kind of circle that was illuminated around, like, different characters. Right, yeah. And, like, a weird color would kind of wash on. I took that to be, like, Gawain's mother was, like, pos- I don't know, possessing them or influencing them or something with her magic. So I don't think that Arthur was in on it. I think he was also potentially, like, a puppet. Like, because that part where he's walking around... Like, he's giving his little speech where he's walking around the table and being like, oh, my friends, did someone tell me a story? His mother is in her little witch coven walking around doing the same thing. Oh. And like, I think yeah. there's one, I think there's a couple points where it literally shows, like, her speaking and then him speaking. So I think that was all her, like, controlling him. Controlling him? I don't right. know, but the Green Knight is still confusing because, like, did she create that? I mean, obviously her ritual, they're involved, like, plants and shit. And magic, yeah. So, like, did she create him then, or summon him, or did he already exist? I don't It's not super clear. But then, but then at the end, like, he does, the like, he when, in the movie, when he goes to cut off his head, and, like, you know, he's like, I'm ready, and he doesn't do it, he, like, kind of wipes his face, and he goes, okay, you're honorable now, like, you're a knight. Mm-hmm. But Ar- that's what, that's the same thing that King Arthur does to him before he leaves on his quest. That's true. So, it's like, did she infuse it using Arthur, like, in a way, like, it's, like, a not like using a piece of Arthur, so it's kind of like he's Arthur, or it's it's confusing. I think, and we don't get an, again, we don't get a lot of this because there's not a lot of the surrounding story of the Arthurian legend. But the conclusion I came to was that it was all orchestrated by his mother. Who you said in this movie, in like did you you saw it on, on IMDb or something? She just said it just says that yeah, she's on the, Morgan Le Fay. on the Google casting, it just says it's Morgan Le Fay, which, which some, sometimes whatever. it can be wrong, but. We looked it up. Traditionally, in this story, his mother is Morgan Le Fay's sister, and her name's like Morgaus or something. Yeah, they're often confused for each other. But yeah, that's something we did read, is that a lot of times in modern interpretations, they're just composited together. So, so whatever. So, his mother is, at any at any rate, like a witch, and clearly has, like, iffy relationships with Arthur. In the traditional, yeah, in, in like, the Arthurian legend, Morgaus and Morgan Le Fay hate him. So, like... Yeah, a lot... They so they, they would stand up. So I think this was all like a plot by his mother there to try to get him to be king, maybe. Oh, that makes sense. And so like she orchestrated but the. Wouldn't she? He be he be king anyway, because they don't have That's any. That's kind children. of how it seems in this version. He doesn't seem to have an heir, regardless. So yeah, I kind of agree, but I think maybe it was like, well, I'm gonna set up this scenario where this knight that's my own creation comes in, and then I'm gonna make all of the other knights scared because that's that seemed to be a thing that happened like all the other knights like that again that same kind of thing washed over then i'm like okay she's influencing them to not stand up even though 
Presumably one of them would have. Yeah, if not all of them would have. Yeah, because they're they're good guys. Yeah, they're like... Well, so yeah, it's like their whole point. They're nice to the round tail. It's the whole so point. So then he, she, it gives her son an opportunity to be like a badass. And then she also, before he departs, gives him that sash that's supposed to protect him from any harm. And so she's like, all right, I'll give him this opportunity to be a real badass and then also give him this sash so that he was never even going to fall to harm regardless. And then he gets to come back and be king. And that's sick because... I hate Arthur, and I want my son to be king instead. That's kind of the thing I got from it. Again, though, they don't really go into a lot of this. It's, you know, it's, a, it's an edgy indie thing. So Artsy film, it's so it's... Lots left up to interpretation. And also, there are just giants. Yeah, the giants are weird. It, like, he just walks up a hill, and there's a bunch of giants, and they try to talk to him, but he has this magic fox that is, like, protecting him. We'll also think it's just his mother following him yeah, and keeping probably. an eye on him, which is why it starts to speak. Yeah. Another thing that's weird and that comes up a lot in Arthurian legend, because we were, you know, reading about it just to before this episode, just to kind of get a better idea, is that they have Catholicism because they celebrate Christmas and they like pray yeah. and they have like the Holy Mary, yeah. like, the Virgin Mary. Yeah. But also, his mother just does actual witchcraft, like actual just magic. Mm-hmm. Like, like magic is just real, and many other people just do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Winifred just is a ghost who appears to him. Like, there's but she's a, also a saint. She's also a saint. So it's real yeah, strange. I think this is a side effect of like a lot of the stories that eventually made their way into Arthurian legend were originally secular stories, like very like is in like prior to um, Christianity, like pagan stories, I guess, right? Like Welsh and British and like Saxon pagan stories that then like over the years they're like, all right, we'll fold this into Arthur. So like I think I was reading the Green Knight was originally a story that just was unrelated. To King Arthur, and then, like, the character of Gawain as, like, a knight is, like, this ancient, like, hero, but then they were like, alright, we'll make him one of the knights of the round table. It's just one of those things where I think over time they kind of start to meld them together, and so there's these remnants of all this, yeah, this weird, like, witchcraft, pa- magic. Yeah, witchcraft and, like, pagan magic, but also, yeah, God is just real, presumably. Like, with Catholicism, like, Jesus is real and all that stuff. Like, one of the big stories in Arthurian legend is them finding... The actual Holy Grail. <laughs> yeah, just like, like Indiana Jones 3. Just, yeah. They actually find it in Lancelot's bastard song is to go to heaven. Yep. So, I don't know what the giants were. Me neither. I don't get it. For that matter, there's a lot of, I guess a lot of the little, like, side stuff on his way to the main thing of it. It's like, I don't know what they were, maybe I'm just too dumb. <laughs> it's said that in the original story, all those little detours are are opportunities for going to show How good he is a person. Yeah, which is which is very it's very a traditional like hero's journey kind of thing. Like, yeah. they like there's like oh just go to this place, but on the way obviously he gets detoured because it's not really that good of a story if he just leaves his house and gets exactly where he needs to go yeah. in time in a timely fashion. But in this one, he just gets like he does a, he like pays a guy and then he's robbed, so he gets he doesn't like get anything from it, and then it's just a lot of weird stuff. It's almost happens. like they subverted it by showing that he's really not. Like a perfect great knight. Like almost yeah. every one of those little detours is he kind of fails, like in some way. He stumbles a little at least. So like in that one, I guess like a a real, like traditional Arthurian knight would have been more generous to the little kid, I guess, or the boy, whatever he was. Teenager. Yeah, I don't know. Is that like the problem? I don't know. Because it takes him a minute to yeah, do I don't it. Know. He has to be reminded. Like and then when he meets Winifred there, it's like did he? I get, well, because there's a few parts where she like rebuffs him because she's like, "Why?" Because he he goes to touch her or whatever, <laughs> which yeah. is weird. And then like he asks her like, "What are you gonna give me?" She's like, "Why would you ask me that?" And just give my head. Why would you ask me that? Yeah. So like maybe that's him 
failing because like if he was a real good knight he wouldn't he would just ask do for it. reward he would just do it because it's the right thing because yeah, he knows it's the right thing to do um what else um what's before the little kid nothing Okay, so that's his first. The, the first thing journey. is, yeah. The uh, the giants, though, I really don't get. I don't know what the moral there is. I don't know. Like, maybe he's like, maybe that then is like him being like, "Hey, can you carry me?" Because he asked them, he's like, "Can I just ride on your shoulders?" And they're like, "No, you gotta do it yourself. You gotta walk." Well, you they're gonna do it. The fox doesn't let him do it. Oh, I guess you're right. It, see, okay, so you took that to be that the giant was gonna was gonna pick him up and just carry him because I thought maybe the giant was about to smush him. I mean, that probably might have happened because he's so small. Yeah. Like, inadvertently, that might have occurred. And then when he gets to the castle with the lord and the, the hunter lord guy and the, his wife. And the weird old lady who can't see. He obviously fails there. Because, like, we're reading in the in the uh, the original poem, he just he successfully rebuffs her each time. And in this one, he does not. Yeah, he just has like, sex with her. Yeah, he succumbs to her, her feminine wiles. And then... She also takes a picture of him with, like, a... Old yeah, timey. that was weird. I didn't get. I don't know what that was. Yeah, I don't know why there's a painting of his face that's covered. I, it's yeah, you're right. I kind of forgot about that. I don't know. I don't know what that comes to be. Nothing really comes with it. I don't. It's weird, man. <laughs> it's weird. It's a weird movie. And then, so then the end. The end is probably was probably my favorite part. Is when he gets to the Green Knight, and then the Green Knights. And this is a, this is also from the the traditional story. Is that he goes to cut his head off, and. He, he stops flinches. him, and then he goes to cut him again, and he stops, and then on the third time, he runs in the movie here. And you just see, like, a fast-forward version of his life from that point. He returns, Arthur makes him his heir, he gets Excalibur, he becomes king. He has a son. That bastard son of his with the, the prostitute that he was with. They take it, and then he raises it, and then he marries, like, Presumably some some princess princess from another land. They have children. They have children. His son dies in war because he's fighting these perpetual wars. Which that is a thing of Arthur. We were we were just talking about like the whole kind of the thing about Arthur in like the legend is that he does have to lose at the end. Like Avalon has to fall because it's like perfect. Like that's the whole point of Camelot. That's why like, we it's like practically metaphorical at this point, right? For like the perfect kingdom. Yeah, the perfect king. And and so it has to fall at the end, because otherwise it's like, I guess it just lasted forever. Yeah, it was retained forever. Like it just... Which it obviously did not. So, like, no. that I was thought was interesting, because, like, this is this is what happens to Arthur. Like, Arthur dies in battle, like, fighting wars for the, his whole life. And it's kind of like the whole thing, like, fantasy in general, I think, grapples with this a lot more now. Like, it's a lot more contemplative. Although, then again... Obviously, Arthur is, like, one of the... <laughs> the Arthurian legend is one of the oldest works of, like, English fantasy that exists, so... Yeah, exactly. Um, but nowadays, fantasy is very contemplative about this, right? This idea that, like, you can't just fight forever. A lot of fantasy works that are, like, more recent that I'm thinking of, like, they end up a lot of times introducing, like, democracy. <laughs> yeah, they just, they just come up with, like, a way to fix it. Because you can't just fight forever. Because, like, obviously... A, staple of fantasy is like kings. nine times out of ten it's like a medieval-esque setting right yeah whether it's like lord of the rings or song of ice and fire, fire or the Stormlight Stormlight archives. archives yeah exactly Jinx. it's a it's a like a medieval-esque setting which means that you have like monarchs and knights and shit and usually the monarch is just king because in it's a hereditary monarchy and then like in a song of ice and fire or the Stormlight Archives, it's a thing they deal with. It's like, are kings good? Like, can, kings can be good? 
can kings even be good? Like, the Lord of the Rings has no qualms about this. Yeah, they have no qualms. They're pretty much just like, no, Aragorn is king, and he was the best king. Yeah. I mean, it almost kind of has to be, though. Like, especially uh, King Arthur and Lord of the Rings are very similar in that way. I think for a very important reason, it's because they're kind of the first. Because King Arthur's like, as we kind of mused on before the show started recording, so it's kind of the first quote-unquote fantasy as we know it. And Lord of the Rings is often held as, like, the first kind of, like, magic with elves and dwarves, like, that kind of fantasy that, you know, has taken different shape throughout the years. And so, I think you kind of have to have the, no, this is good and there's evil and, like, black and white to have the gray. Like, mm-hmm. you can't just start with a Song of no, Ice and of Fire, course. you know? But so, I did, like, the whole montage of him living out his life as king, and then his kingdom falls, right? His son dies in war. And Camelot falls because, like I said, it always has to fall. Like that's kind of the point. The knights all presumably die, and then they like, leave him at the end. He's left alone. His wife, and then he removes that the sash he got, and so his head falls off. I'm glad that wasn't the end of the movie. I really thought they were going to end the movie like that because it seems like kind of like I an artsy so, film too. subversion direction to go. And I was like, mm-hmm. I hope they don't actually do it. And they didn't. He just he finds his courage. He gets the honor. I like. I did like that, and then but then it does it does still end on like a bit of like a non conclusion there, right? Yeah. So just... like, yeah, he finds out in that he removes the sash and like willingly lets the Green Knight hit the him. Green Knight hit him, right? But then he doesn't. And this one, he just doesn't hit him. He doesn't well, like or nick he's him. about to, I think. Yeah. So we read that in the normal version, on the third swing, the Green Knight hits him, but like barely grazes him, and he's like, "You're the best knight, Gawain. You did it." <laughs> But again, in this one, he isn't the best knight. So there's he's no not reason... even a knight. Well, no, he's not even a knight yet. Yeah. So like, I don't know if there's any reason for the Green Knight to to take pity on him in that way. I don't know. It's interesting. I guess that's why they didn't show it. Is so like we can sit here and think about it. Is like, is he gonna just kill him or not? I guess I would lean towards probably not. Like it'd be weird if yeah, at the end Gawain finds his courage and decides to remove the the thing that thing. would save him yeah, for sure and not deceive the Green Knight. And then the Green Knight does just kill him. He's like, oh, I guess I'll just keep doing what I was going to do. Be a weird way to end it. So, presumably he just does, he doesn't do the things that he did. Yeah, he just, he just marries that girl. Yeah, maybe he, yeah. And makes her, and just makes her queen, and he be, I think he probably still becomes king, but he's a good king. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, Camelot probably still falls, good. though. Probably, yeah. Again, that's kind of like the whole point, is that it, it can't last. Also, it seemed, it seemed kind of warm for being around Christmas. There was a noticeably lack <laughs> of snow. a couple times. Because well, in the beginning of the movie, when yeah. it's Christmas, there's a lot of snow everywhere and it's cold. But then when he goes out in his quest, it's been a whole year. It's like right. almost exactly a year. So well, it should just be snowing again. Because well, after the year, the reason, like the, the moment that he realizes how soon it's approaching is he's like outside and it starts to snow and he's like, oh shit. It's already it's starting winter. to snow. It's winter. It's about to be Christmas soon. My, I have to go do that. But then you're right. It doesn't snow, which is weird. Also, and when he gets to the green night, it's just full of vegetation and it's all kind of like dry. Yeah, it's just true. And the stream isn't frozen that he paddles on. Actually, that's a really good point. Yeah, it's not wintry at all. Yeah, there's like no snow. And England gets cold. England's like, real it's not cold. Like England's like a place where it doesn't get cold. It like rains all the time there. So it, when if, if it's cold enough for the rain to freeze, it'll just snow all the time there. Yeah. Anyway, we're saying the movie's terrible. Zero. T- <laughs> nah, it wasn't so bad. No, no I... It was fine. Yeah, again, I, I guess I hoped it was more of like a rollicking adventure. We were reading about how usually Gawain is like one of the more like, again, like better knights as in like he's he's a really good chivalric guy but he's also one of the more like martially successful yeah, ones. Prow- he's got a lot of martial prowess 
Um, he doesn't show that at all in this one. No, he's all, sometimes they give him superhuman abilities and make him yeah, magical. We were, yeah, we were reading about and that. make him uh, in the daytime he's undefeatable. Toward, uh, by noon, like the, when the sun is at its highest, he's undefeatable in battle. Like no one can hope to best him. But in this one, like a bunch of beggars just beat him up. Yeah, I didn't like. I shit. thought like I I thought for sure the way that was gonna work is like he was gonna just beat them all up or kill them and then like he would feel bad about it like he'd be like oh shit i killed those people but i thought that's how it was gonna go but no that yeah they just get they really get one over on him yeah i thought i thought they're gonna pick up the axe and then accidentally kill each other yeah maybe and because like it's magic and enchanted so they wouldn't be able to take it from him but that guy just takes his horse and the axe and just leaves yeah like he doesn't get it back at all or we're it's real strange yeah i don't know it's again i guess you should just know what you're going going into this yeah it's, it is like a weird indie film. So I will say, oh, I didn't mention this yet, but I did really like the like costumes. Oh yeah, a lot. I mean, everything like the, sh- the. I mean, I think everything else was really good. Like the, the round co- table was cool. I don't know if I've ever seen like an interpretation of it like that where it's like like hollow, like stone, like it's like yeah, a stone, it's like a big stone table. It's, I feel like it's usually not hollow, like a big wooden table. Yeah, like it's a, a big a wooden true table. table that's just like flat. But the idea that you can, like, walk in the middle of it is kind of neat. Yeah, I liked, I liked uh, the way their crowns were, how it had, like, the halo yeah, on them. Yeah, I was going to say, I really liked the crowns. I liked, in particular, at, at, in that sequence where he's, like, seeing a potential future, as it turns out. I liked how he was dressed when he was king. Oh, yeah, that was really cool. Like, when he, go to, when he went to war for, like, a second there, and he's wearing, like, his... Chainmail? Yeah, he's wearing, like, chain and armor, but he's also got his crown on. The crowns are cool, I don't know, they're neat. Because it obviously goes off that, like, depiction that you often see of, like, medieval... Rulers where they have, like, a weird halo around them for some reason. They're ordained by God. Yeah, exactly. Because they've got... Yeah. But Holy in this light. one, they literally have, a, yeah, like, a, a halo attached to their crowns. Which, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's cool. Liked it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I don't know. It's not really, like, a, a proper straight-up Yeah, if you're, if you're a big Arthurian legend guy, like, you got... You're not really... I don't think you're really going to have a time. If you're, looking, if you're going to this thinking it's going to be, like, a cool fantasy movie, it's not really, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird like, and it's okay. half fantasy. If you like A24 movies, you'll probably like this movie. I like yeah, H- probably. I like A24 movies. I like the other movies. Really good. I will say, I think all the actors did good. Yeah, I agree. Patel did good. I agree. They did that thing... Actually, I kind of want to mention this. They did that thing where it's, like, a medieval European setting, but they just have, like, actors of color, which was interesting. I don't know. It's cool. Obviously, Deb Patel is like, I guess, Indian, right? And he's the main character. Aaron Kellyman there, who is Lady Winifred. Winifred, whatever. She's, I think she's half Scottish, half black. Yeah. Um, she's got very red hair. She's, she's in Winter she Soldier. Really yeah, yeah, she's in. Yeah, she's like a. She's in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, as um Carly, and she's Enfys Nest in Solo. Oh yeah, she is. But that shit's interesting. I don't know. They never address it or anything. I mean, There's like one of two ways you can do that. Is <laughs> either you have to like somehow hang a lampshade on it and like hang a lamppost. How's that? Hang a lampshade. And you have you can't to like, hang lampposts. No, I guess you can't. And you have to create like a a very convoluted reason as to why there are actors of color in your fantasy or historical setting. What's that one show? Bridgerton. Yeah, it's exactly. It. That's a lot of those. Or you could just not. That just, is that. Where they like? It. I've I know people have been critical of that because they. They have it's like a historical like Victorian setting, right? And they have actors of color, and they like address it, but they address it like in a very simple way. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah, that. I think I've heard the way they address it is just like the king's like or the queen is is black, and the explanation is like, yeah, the king married a black woman, and none of us were racist anymore. That's... <laughs> like that's, which is kind of like a cop out, like, and that's yeah. I think that's probably the reason that like no one really addresses it. 
is you just kind of do it because it's i mean it certainly has got to be a hard thing to breach yeah, it, just to explain it and it kind of just would take too much time if you just go yeah. if you just don't address it you just i mean yeah it's almost yeah that's almost the better way i think maybe unless you have a really good story reason and you you have a reason for doing it i think it makes more sense to just yeah have this is the movie these the characters the they're just characters who happen to be of this descent yeah i mean it doesn't take away you still no yeah anything like that but yeah we could probably act attack onto something else then I, um, yeah not much to say weird movie <laughs> weird movie uh back onto another weird movie uh, amazon's the tomorrow war yeah. With Chris Pratt, uh, J.K. Simmons, uh, this actors, one, I don't know. one comedy act, couple comedy actors that I recognize but don't know the names of. So what do you think? So I, I watched it recently, and yeah. I have watched it a couple. Uh, yeah. I actually watched it on the fourth. I watched it. Yeah, know. it is a couple weeks old at this point. It's been out for a while, but I just got to run to finishing it. Um, Bad. Yeah, it's, I don't, I don't like think it. I don't think it's very good. Um, a lot of problems with how they choose to do th- they do things so in the I got dumbest way lists. i got a oh. big list here about shit i wanted to say so first and foremost it's an amazon movie so like you think it should have a real good budget behind it which i assume it did because like a lot of the cgi and stuff did look good I, I will say yeah but i really disliked the guns and stuff i'm sure this is this is probably a thing that all really bothered me like most people wouldn't take note of this but i just wanted to mention it is like this is a thing sci-fi does a lot is it just like sci-fi properties right is that you take guns that are just real modern guns that we have, and then you just, like, throw some weird bits and bobs on them, and then you just act like they're sci-fi now, which I just hate, because it just doesn't work. Because, like, to be fair, in this one, they were just guns still, but it's like they have, like, M4s, essentially, which is what, like, our military uses now, and then they just throw a couple, like, a different grip and a different stock on it, and then it's like, no, they're from the future. They're from 50 years in the future. And it's bizarre. Either they should have an entirely new thing that you design from scratch, or they should just have modern ones. Like, if anything, I would have thought it more interesting that they're sending people into the future with, like, I don't know, like, like if it was more so that we were desperate and on our last legs, right? And they're just throwing everything they can. Like, they're sending people into the future with, like, World War Two surplus and shit. Yeah. But instead, they just have, they just have, like... Cold War kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that'd be neat. But instead, they just have M4s with, like, weird Magpul stocks and stuff. And when he gets to the future... They aren't interesting at all. It's been like 30 years, and they just look like modern yeah, modern military. They're just wearing like fatigues. They don't have like cool space armor or anything. Even though, even when they say when the aliens attack, it's already been, it's already 30 years after the present. Yeah, and they um, got nothing. Nothing new to speak of. I will say like, to its credit, it's an interesting concept. This idea of like, um, oh, we got to send people to fight in the future, right? But I don't think that this movie in particular does it very well. Yeah, it does not at all. It does not give a convincing reason as to why that should be. I'm sure there's a way to do it. This idea of like we have to fight in the future, but this movie does not. It doesn't do it for me. It just doesn't make any sense because they know when and where these aliens show up. Right, more or less. Yeah, they go. They're here. That's yeah. That's my single biggest problem with it. Is that in the future their solution to the problem is. We're going to go to the past and just recruit people from the past. Now, I will say, so the, clearly what we're working with here, we're working with like a, a multiple dimension kind of time travel scenario, right? Right. Not like a cause and effect one more so, because when he goes into the future, his daughter remembers a different timeline than him, right? Because obviously in the daughter's t- growing up, t- obviously in the future, they don't remember people coming into the past being like, there's going to be aliens because they would have done something, right? Right. So, they're two separate dimensions, essentially, which 
it's no. like so i understand that i don't, I don't the know people in they the future, are because they, they have to be not really chris pratt and the daughter can have the same timeline just chris pratt hasn't lived it yet you don't think but okay do because, you think because that in the they're daughter, they're only in the future no. for seven days Remember? i understand that but i don't think the daughter or anyone in her timeline in the future timeline knew that the aliens were coming whereas uh, if they all remembered hey remember when in the past the future was like hey those aliens they would remember that's true. No, I don't right. think they do. I I can't I can't imagine. So it's two different That's, timelines. Then the ending then the ending wouldn't work because they would have always happened. If it's yeah. you know you're right. I, I see what you're saying. So in that sense, I kind of get it because because as like an individual, right? If you were in the future and you're like the aliens are winning, you would want to do something that would save you, right? Right. You would not probably as an individual have like the presence of mind to be like, if we save the past, then like. This wipes our timeline out or something. Or, like, at least their timeline's right. Like, that's not how humans work. So I kind of get it from that sense of, like, no, they would want to save their timeline. Yeah, where they live. the other timelines. So I kind of get that. But what I don't get is how everyone in the, we'll call it the present, all the world governments agreed, like, yeah, we're just going to start throwing people through the future. Yeah, they all just believe them. At a time. That was my big thing. Why do they believe them? Because they literally say, yeah, we... we purposefully did not bring any pictures because we don't want to scare you guys too much yeah that's that's very dumb because then everyone would be like well this is a hoax you're you're pranking Absolutely. us that's what i said it happens in like uh europe i guess since yeah it's soccer and they're watching so you'd think every other world government would just be like this is some kind of hoax everyone would just think they're being tricked like america would be like that was russia and russia would be like that was america and china, china would be like, like that was america what's going on <laughs> UK would be like, what is Germany up to this time? <laughs> <laughs> They're at it again, those like, Germans. This, it wouldn't work. Yeah, no, it's it's ridiculous. This idea that they all just agree overnight, like, all right, we're sending people through the portal. And again, now I understand that, like, that's a bit of suspension of disbelief. Like, you just have to kind of go with it because we, obviously, you don't want, like, there to be, I don't know, a half hour in the beginning of the movie dedicated to, like, the politics. Yeah, the politics of convincing everyone. But you never would. My answer there is just make it more convincing i don't exactly. write it differently yeah make let them show pictures or write like it better there's never like yeah and the way they go about it is real strange because they're just they just throw people who are going to die beforehand yeah. into the future so literally useless like they're just throwing like middle-aged I people had that exact thought. and old people everyone they send through is practically useless like i it, until chris pratt gets there <laughs> It seems as if no one else going into the future brings any value, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, other than literally just cannon fodder. But it's this is not the type of scenario where that even helps. They're just throwing through food for the fucking aliens. Yeah, they're just making them stronger. They're like, like, it's crazy. Nothing makes... Again, like, I'm not saying that this concept couldn't work, but the choices that they made just do not make for a convincing plot. Yeah, it's not a plot make. I... It's it's very bad. Again, now, here's the thing. My thought the whole time I was watching this movie is, why didn't they just stop the aliens in the past? Like, why, with their new information, surely everyone in the present would be like, that sucks that your future's fucked. But what we're going to do is we're just going to kill the aliens when they get here and not let that happen. Yeah. No one thinks to do that, apparently, until Chris Pratt thinks to do it at the end of the movie. And like, when they got to that point, I was like, great, this is what I've been saying the whole time. 
But I don't get how that didn't already... How no one else had that thought. Like, good on you, Chris Pratt. But surely he's not the only... He's not the smartest guy. Like, come on. I mean, he's he's smart. Like, he's like a... He does, he's like yeah, he's a smart biology teacher. Whatever, but, but, like... Jesus. You know what else I, I think is dumb? It's just that, like... It's that classic, like, oh, no one in the government believes us. But why would they not believe you? They believed you've, all those other losers. You've been to the... Like, you'd be like, I've been to the future. They told me this was going to happen. Why, and, like, then he's like, oh... Because once... Um, when I remember I was watching with my family... Uh, in the first, beginning of the movie, when he's in his classroom, he goes, all right, guys, what do you want to talk about? And the kid raises his hand, and he goes, guys, what does Emmett always want to talk about? And they go, ancient volcanoes. And then I went, I paused the movie, and I went, and I looked at, my family was watching with me, and I went, they're going to use volcanoes to win. <laughs> and I played the movie, and I was right. They literally just used yeah, that they kid. Use they just do a Chekhov's gun. They use that kid to well, figure out. That's another problem I had with it, is that those kids in his classroom who are like, what's the point? We're all going to die are right. 100%. They were right. Like, they weren't right because Chris Pratt wins in the end. But this, to me, it was just so grim. Like, this idea that there's only 500,000 people left. I And I, I guess you're not supposed to think like this, but I was literally just like, why would you even bother? Yeah, it'd be like... That's so few people that even if they could t- stop it right then, even if Chris Pratt arrived in the future and flipped a switch and killed all the aliens... 500,000 people is so few that humanity may have been doomed either way. Yeah. You can't even feel, you can't even feel like, yeah, you could all live in New York City. Like, any major city in America, or even across the world, all of humanity could live that's, in that's just one fucked. spot. Like, it, they're already too far gone. Again, maybe that's me being, like, a pessimist, but, like, Jesus. Because I, I think I said to you at one point, because I, I kind of watched this movie in bits, at one point I saw you and I was talking about where I was at, and I was like, it was before they even got to the future, and I was like, man... I don't get it. If there's only 500,000 people left, why does Chris Pratt even care? Because, like, unless his daughter's one of the people. And, of yeah, course, she she was. She did. I guess I should have seen that coming. She was literally one of the ones. Um, but, like, yeah, I don't get it. Surely it's too far gone. Like, what are you – you really would have to be fighting for, like, very altruistically, like, the concept of, like, the propagation of the species. Yeah, just because, be like, maybe we'll survive. If there's only 500,000 humans left, the odds that any one of the people going through the portal to fight in the future is fighting for someone they know. that they know is obviously so very low. And they're already and the reason that sends people to the future is because they're all already dead. It's to avoid a paradox. Yeah. And they, Which is interesting. It was kind of interesting, but it really never went any further than that. Which, another thing that was dumb is that how they recruit him, they, yeah. they send him to the office, and then they scan him, and they go, you're going to die. Bite down on this. And he goes, oh, what, hold on, come again? He goes, you're going to die this way. You're going to die to this date. So you're going to give us in the future because you're going to be dead by that point anyway. And he's like, hold on, explain to me what's going on. And then they go, all right, this will this will help us track you in the future to bring you back. See you around. Yeah, that really is crazy because he, because of the events of the movie, <laughs> presumably his death is not going to come to pass, right? Yeah. Because he, I don't, see, this is a thing that I thought was handled really poorly and was probably just unnecessary. But the whole, like, plot of, like, his daughter didn't like him in the future because he died and left them or whatever. I don't... He was traumatized by war. This horrible thing he lived through. Like, it's... I think so, right? Like... No, because that's how it says, because I don't know why they had her do that. Because the movie is set up that her mother, Chris Pratt's wife in this movie, is a therapist who deals with these people. And yeah. she says, I see these people every day, and some of them do not speak. Like they're missing all arms. They're like they they're comatose. They like their brains are broken. They can't speak. Uh-huh. But when her husband comes back, she divorces him because he's crazy because he's 
seen the future and there's a bunch of killer monsters and he had to watch people die in front of him. Is that what you thought was going on? That's what that that's what I assumed that he goes kind of nuts and that like he he never recovers from what he saw and probably because he meets so, himself he meets oh, her so maybe I maybe I have it wrong then I yeah no I, but then okay but that also doesn't work though because that would mean I thought does he just have PTSD from when he was in the army before no I thought there was that he failed his job or something no I think are you sure. Because like, no, before no, the no. aliens even happened. No, 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 be- because, this no, no because her the daughter says, when you came back, you weren't the same. So she remembers when he left to go to the future. So but in- that doesn't make sense. Well, this movie because then make- in her timeline, that's like a weird loop then. That's, that, that's why. Because if she remembers him going to the future, then when he was in the future, he should have talked to her and she should have told him that. And in her timeline, he also should have been good and not done that. Well, yeah, this movie's not very good. That doesn't today. make any sense. Are you sure that's yes? Are you sure that's, that's what she says? Yes. Fuck this. Sucks. She said you never should have left. I thought she just meant like left our family. I thought they just got divorced because of some other shit. No, I think I think they got divorced because he did because he was. But that that doesn't make out. any sense. What doesn't happened it? different then? How did he not get crazy now? Uh, maybe she didn't talk to him. I don't know. I think you are. I think you got a little crossed. I don't think I do. I think they just got divorced because reasons. And then he left the family because that's what happens when you get separated. And then he died in a car accident or something. I don't know. Hold on. The point is, I just, the timelines, they, yeah, they don't really work and they don't really do much with them. And again, the thing they do at the end, which is just, let's find the ship and blow it up. That's what they should have done in the beginning. Oh, 100%. That's like, and I understand that that kind of like voids the entire like conceit of this movie. Like the whole sci-fi premise of it, which is like, what if we fought wars in the future? But Again, my thing is just, I guess they shouldn't have done that. I guess they should have writ it differently. Writ it, sorry. Written it differently so that it was more interesting. Because the way they do it is not good. And it, also, I didn't, I didn't mention this yet, but I hate the aliens. They're just really boring. I don't know. I they don't do much for me. I didn't mind them. I thought they were um, kind of, I thought they were, I thought they were intimidating. That's fine. But like, they're intimidating enough, I guess. But they're just, they're just intimidating because they just copied every other intimidating alien. Like, I'm just like, oh, it's the fucking aliens from the last, or the quiet place, a quiet place. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, they're just here to wipe out the planet. I mean, I guess there's only really two ways you can go when you're doing aliens in a movie. Is like, they can either be intelligent, like, above humans, or they can just be, like, monsters, like, thoughtless monsters. And they obviously went the thoughtless monsters route. But, um, it just didn't, it just didn't work for me, I guess. Um, what else do we got here? Oh, no, no, I am wrong. No, you're right, I was wrong. So what does it say? It says here that... Yeah, no, he, after losing the job, no, no, you were right. Oh, okay. I was wrong. I mis- I misunderstood the movie. So, the movie, again, the movie, the fact that this happened, the movie is not very clear. Probably, yeah. Because they only send you, they only send you into the future for a week. So, it's not impossible to think that he would come yeah. back and be bad. No, okay, so it was the job thing. Yeah. But then, obviously, when he returned and he's done the whole events of the movie, he's like, I won't do that. I value my family. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to leave because of my job. Which is nice. I don't know. J.K. Simmons was okay. Yeah, he was kind of just mean. Um, mean J.K. Simmons. I will say I enjoyed that they... I I really thought they were literally just going to have him kill himself when he's like, no, son, I'm going to do it. He's like, come get me. I literally thought they were just going to have the monster jump him off the mountain. Um, So I was glad they didn't. I was yeah. glad that Chris Pratt got him. That was actually... That's probably the literal... The, the single... My single favorite part of the movie is when the two of them are fighting it at the end and they're really just giving it hell. It takes a lot of damage. Yeah, it's pr- that's that was probably the most interesting part of the whole movie. <laughs> and they dissolve it. 
Yeah, we, we, yeah, they're using the poison, and they're using their guns. Another thing they're, they're, I don't understand like is when they have it captured in the future, and they're doing all those tests on it, why does it wake up? Did they run out of sedative? I think they. I think she was so, like, um, engrossed in her work that she stopped. She forgot to give it sedatives. Why didn't? Why wasn't someone else on top of that? Why was well, she doing it? Because the, the movie wasn't very good. Oh, that's true. And then, right. he, and then he tries to save her. Why would he try to save her? He's gonna go back to the future. Like, yeah, it's very. She's like, because I think his idea is that oh, if I grab her, it's kind of like I said though. Like that's still pretty grim. Because that does mean that in the future, there is a version, there is a timeline where his daughter does just die, like, and all of humanity is wiped out. Yeah, I mean, they're all, yeah. I mean, yeah, when he Again, comes... unless it's like a timeline, unless it's a scenario where by doing the events of the movie, he or where he erases that potential future. But it doesn't, I don't think it can be. I think, it, again, the way it's presented is they have to be two separate timelines. Yeah, I hate the, and they, I think I mentioned this earlier, they did the whole, when he gets back and he's got the toxin in his hand. They just don't let him use it. Like then he's not when he's like, "Hey, you got to use it," and here's where you're gonna have to use it. They just don't believe him. They're like, "Ah, oh, what do you know?" Well, no, that that was because they were like, "We can't get to the future. Like it's useless." Again, there was the thing of like where they're talking to that government guy, and he's like, "I can't, I can't send you to Russia." And then when they're successful, of course, he's like, "It was all me. It was all me. You did it. I sent him to Russia because I'm the best." Which that was pretty. That was kind of funny. It just wasn't very good. Again, the conceit of it was interesting. It's also got a, like an underlying climate change message. Oh, it does, of course. Yeah, that's that's fine. That's, that's how they escape, because um, the ice melts. But they would have escaped anyway. Cause that's how. Presumably, yeah. Again, the the sci-fi like concept of it is vaguely interesting, but it's not executed very well. Um, yeah, I don't think very well at all. The action is mostly uninteresting to me as well. So it's just like, what is the point of this? Why are we even doing this? And again, the climax of it is not. It does not have to do with the time travel at all. It's just. We're going to fight them in the present. <laughs> fight them on the beaches. The name is cooler than the whole movie. Yeah, it's got a cool name, Tomorrow War. And then you watch it go, oh, this is terrible. I wish I never watched it. I wish I go back in time to my future self, past self, to never watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, my future self. or Yeah, my past self came to my son. He'd be like, why did you watch that movie and kill yourself? Movie, <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you ruin our family? Why'd you start drinking after you watched that movie? Yeah. Dad, why'd you do that? <laughs> no, Dad. <sighs> yeah. Not Chris Pratt's best work. I mean, he's fine in it, but... It's one of those movies. It's one for them, one for you. He just does it just for the money. Sometimes he's got to pay it's bills. It's also one of those movies... He's just the most generic character ever, isn't he? Like, the most generic action hero. Like, he's the he's template a, of He's Mark Wahlberg. Heroes. Yeah, exactly. Like, every movie where he's a... Not literally. Like, how many... How, how many times can they do that trope where he's, like, a grizzled veteran who then becomes a high school teacher? He's a blue-collar everyman. Also, I complained about this to you, but he was... He was not just a, um, he wasn't just in the army. He was in Special Forces. He was a fucking Green Beret. And then he's like, in his little interview, he's like, yeah, but it wasn't really a career guy. You know, it wasn't for me. What? You were Green Beret and it wasn't for you? Like, you just did that as a lark for a couple of years? What are you talking <laughs> about? You were just like, I got nothing else going on. Let's just become a Special Ops Green Beret. I'm not sure that happens in the military. Yeah, you um, just do it to do it. And then in like, my experience, the dudes who are only in for a couple of years are not special forces. Yeah, cuz they don't Those are those are definitionally like the guys who make a, a career out of it. Are the guys who yeah, go green beret and special forces and go on to be whatever, delta or you know, in the different branches if you're like a seal or something. This idea of like, yeah, he just did it for a couple years as a lark in the special forces. Also, he's also real good at biology and it wants was, to be a well, teacher. Right. It was clearly just like, you know, some Hollywood writer being like, "Ah, he'll be a what, a green beret?" He doesn't do anything vaguely reminiscent of a green beret. Their whole their whole like 
point is they specialize in asymmetrical warfare. He did not put that to use at all. I don't know. Real dumb. Real, real dumb. Gotta agree. All right. Let's attack, attack into the Bad Batch episode we this go. week. Episode 13 of 14. 16? 14. Oh, yeah. wow. So we're down to our last two. two. Jinx. Definitely another upswing, which I... I, <laughs> I was a fan of this episode. Which didn't go like this. Yeah, I wish it was a little more consistent instead of us being a like, eh, this is a fine episode, and whatever. And then it's like, well, this one's pretty good. This one, this one was way better at, last week. At the end, it was good. Um, like, but we, yeah, this is a good one. I certainly enjoyed this episode. I uh, thought it was really good. You got anything to say? Uh, I thought the clone's voice was interesting. His voice was kind of like Gregor? weird and kind of rattly, and he's kind of talked. Cause he's crazy. He's, he's yeah, he, he, yeah, that's it, Gregor. Good on him. Is he from the Clone Wars? Yeah, he's in the Clone. He's in. Well, okay. I was. <laughs> this is why I asked you if you had anything to say because I was. I don't wanna, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be a little ranty here. I got all right, of, well, maybe I'll, I'll, shit to dump I'll, on I'll say more than what I'll say. If you're gonna rant, I'll I'll do my little. Bit. I got lots to dump um, on here. I enjoyed. Uh, there's a lot of good action in this episode. I thought so. Um, as but well. them kind of clearing out. I wish they just shot these guys. They don't use their. Because I noticed that it took them a couple. Well, the one guy, I think he's on Delta Force, because you're about to go into that. Delta uh, Squad. Whatever. Very much. Delta Force is real life. I don't care, listeners. He uses the their stun. It takes a couple stuns to get it him. It does they, take a couple and stuns. They beat him in the head. I did like that. I, I think that was maybe because of his armor. Yeah, I think that's probably what it was. And then I liked in the beginning when Record disagrees with all their points. Yeah, he's like, oh, Echo's got a good point. Oh, yeah, no, Tech, you got a good point too. Because oh, you know, the kid's really talking straight to me. I really like it. I thought they're gonna do it with Hunter, but then they didn't because Hunter's the leader. Uh, I liked how in the first minute they got rid of the whole we should do good Hunter. Yeah, I mean, um, it still came up again, which again is kind of it's, it's almost frustrating at this point that they just keep revisiting that. Well, keep bashing it. Um, but Echo was the voice of reason, which I I did write down here because Echo's my favorite of them. Um, so I like that he was guy. And then what else? What else can I do to stall this rant? Stalling rant. I broke. I got. I got really nothing. Yeah, no, you're not gonna. Yeah. All right. So this is nothing else. So I'll let you go then. So I guess. Gregor. I mean, I'm. I'm sure some people listening will know this. Um, but he's. If in, anyone's even listening. Yeah. He's in an episode of the Clone Wars. Just literally just one. Oh, just a single and one. And then he reappears again in Rebels. So in Rebels, Rex is living on a an ATT walker that he's repurposed. I got that over there. That's uh, so a Lego set. Oh, uh, cool. I'm gonna break it after we finish recording. <laughs> and um, he's living with. It's Rex, Gregor, and Wolf. I don't know. You probably don't remember Wolf. I don't know who Wolf is, dude. But so until now, that was a weird gap because we see Gregor, and he mentions this in this episode, in that one episode of The Clone Wars, and then at the end of the episode, he seemingly sacrifices himself and is killed in an explosion. And then we see him again in The Clone Wars, or in Rebels, rather, which is literally like almost 20 years later. And he's fine. Well, he's crazy. He's alive, but he's crazy. Like more so even than in this episode, he's kind of lost it, and so we didn't really know how he survived. And well, honestly, this episode does not actually show us; it just shows us him alive. Yeah. So, but so he is a recurring character a couple times now. He he shows up a couple more times in Rebels. He dies at the end of Rebels, doing a cool thing. So yeah, that's Gregor. He he for some reason he doesn't seem to be wearing his proper armor. Maybe because it was destroyed in the explosion. But in the Clone oh, Wars, he's wearing he's got the Clone Commando armor. Right, right. Which is what he's wearing, but it's um, he's got yellow markings, and he's over there, and he's got. I think I see him. His helmet is covered in. Is he right at the end towards me? Yeah, oh, his helmet him, yeah. is covered in um. You know we're pointing at because it's an audio format, but I'm pointing at something. I've got a little. I got a little logo minifigure of him. Well, now they can't guess. <laughs> I can't imagine how it looks. And he's got his helmet's got tally marks on it, presumably for all the men he's killed. <laughs> no, <laughs> probably droids. It's kind of dumb to do droids because there's not there's a lot of droids. Why are they um, why are they telling droids? They're just droids. Right. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, that was cool. I was that was unexpected. I, I um, I didn't see. The, yeah, I didn't expect him to show. I guess it makes sense. Like if I had thought about it for a second, and now because of this, I'm thinking we're probably gonna see the same sort of story for Wolf. Um, Perhaps in season two or something. Yeah, yeah. Of how we got him, because that seems to be a bit of a recurring theme. Is like some of the clones are good and and redeemable. Obviously, the, because the Bad Batch is redeemable, then it's like Hauser and Ryloth there, and obviously Cutler Queen and Rex and now Gregor. So yeah, that was all cool. Now, here's a side not to sidetrack you That's as you're fine. getting going. Did Cutler Queen get his inhibitor chip removed, or did he still got that rocket around his brain? Um, so like this is a bit. This is a question, right? Um, of a lot of clones who. We have not seen directly commit or 66. I would say, like, odds are he just has it, but it probably will never come up. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was like, well, he, he's never around any Jedi. It's not clear if or how the inhibitor chip, chip affects you if you weren't near a Jedi. Like, people were running that about Hauser, right? So Hauser, who's the clone from the Ryloth episodes, yeah. he's like, he immediately became like a something of a fan favorite. Everyone likes him. He's got cool armor. He's, he's got a cool face. He has cool hair and stuff, and everyone likes him. Um, but they're like, man, I wonder if he killed any Jedi, though. That kind of dampened it a little. Yeah, really bring you down. And, like, the answer is probably just we don't know. Just like we didn't know with Rex and them for a while, until we got Season 7 of The Clone Wars, and now, obviously, more so in The Bad Batch here, we knew that in Rebels, you can see scars on Rex, Wolf, and Gregor. They've all removed their inhibitor chips by the point of Rebels, but we didn't know at that point when that happened. Right. So yeah. obviously they could have removed them at any point between the last time we saw them and twenty and rebels. Years. Obviously, like in season seven, we see that Rex r- removes his during Order sixty six. Well, it is removed for and Ahsoka removes his because yeah, yeah. he's knocked out like forcibly during Order sixty six. Um, yeah, I, it appears they never addressed it. I mean, for that matter, they have yet to remove the inhibitor chips in the Bad Batch. No, they did. Oh, did, did they get them all? Yeah, they got episode? them all. Oh, my apologies. Because huh? they're because they do them all. No, they're going to do Wrecker first. Yeah. And then they knock out Wrecker, and then when Wrecker wakes up, they all have theirs removed. Oh, okay. All right, good. But obviously, I would say they still haven't gotten Gregor's, because he wouldn't... He might not know. The thing about the inhibitor ships is that they were a relatively, like, unknown quantity to the clones. Like, there's a whole arc in Season 6 of the Clone Wars where Fives discovers their existence, essentially. He freaks out. Yeah, and he tries to... And he, like, goes all conspiracy theorists about it, but no one really believes him. But Rex obviously, like, took it to heart a little. Because then yeah. he knows about it in order to tell Ahsoka about it. And then, obviously, he tells the Bad Batch about it. Yeah, it's... Gregor probably doesn't know about it yet. But again, it's probably just like an off-screen, we'll just take it out kind of thing. Maybe like, we'll see him and be like, oh, look, I got taken out, guys. I'm crazy. Yeah, essentially. Or, like I said, I think I theorized this at one point, like, the Kaminoans are going to use the inhibitor chips to reverse against the Empire. And we started to get a little bit of that in this episode. It's um, a little taste. But yeah, I think they're... I, yeah, they've got to be at this point setting up. I think all these things are going to come together for the finale because there's no way. <laughs> It'd be bizarre if, like, they took another week off again where they did a weird filler episode. And then I think the next two episodes are going to be consistently about the plot and this all this stuff's going to come together. Yeah, come to a um, They seem to have kind of been foiled, but I don't think I don't think the Kaminoans are down and out at no. the end of this episode. Because they still got that scientist who, yeah. I mean, actually made the clone, so she'll probably be able to do mm-hmm. it better. The Prime Minister just kind of is the figurehead. He just moves well, around. Yeah, truly. Well, in the in Tonway has been like acting against him the whole time. Sorry, wait. Which one? I think Lama Su is the scientist. Tonway is the Prime Minister. So Lama Su has been Dude, acting I against him. Could not tell you. I, I think, but we know that Lama Su. Lama. Okay. Namaste. Lama Su 
has been acting against him all season, right? Right. Because he's like, kill Echo, or Omega, I kill her. And he's like, and she's like, ah, no, I don't want to. I'll bring her back so we can use her. Yeah. So, the other thing I want to mention is the commandos. So, this is technically, like, only the third time maybe we've seen clone commandos, other than that other episode with Gregor, like I said. The um, Delta Squad appears very briefly in one episode of the Clone Wars. And then we don't get much of them. They're in they're in Star Wars Battlefront, but that's not really a Star Wars or uh, I meant to say a story appearance because that's just a video game where you right. can just play with them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I like the Commandos. I talked about it a few weeks back, but I really like the video game. I wanted a whole thing about that. So I liked the, their inclusion. I like their armor. I like that uh, Gregor pointed out. He was like, "Are you guys Commandos? You got you're wearing Commando armor because they are. Um, the, at least the body armor, not their helmets, obviously. Right. Yeah. But Hunter." Clarifies. Wrecker and um, Crosshair were all wearing commando armor when they were in the... Well, when when Crosshair was in the Bad Batch, he also wore commando armor. Echo wears, like, reg armor, and then Tech just has something weird, because he's weird. He's a weird... Mm, I'm weird. Um, but so I thought that was a cool inclusion. I really liked how their helmets glowed. I don't know if you noticed that at any point. I did notice that. Their visors are blue, and they actually glow in the night, which is, again, something from the game. And then, in particular, most of the commandos, I think actually all but one that we see this episode are just wearing just plain white commando armor yeah that's what i noticed but one of them in particular was wearing a certain pattern of black and orange commando armor he's throwing the tiger yeah he was he's scorch from the video game republic commando Ah, the game i've played no (laughs) hold on game i've played oh yes the game i've played no (laughs) But so, Scorch is a member of Delta Squad, and he appears very briefly in this episode. Really, it's it's hardly even a cameo, because like, he doesn't do or say hardly anything, but he's there. And that was a big cameo everyone was so excited about. Well, I was excited. I don't know everyone. That's... Well, everyone, everyone who would be excited was excited about it. I thought that was cool. I mentioned to you, I don't think I ever have said it on the show here, but that I think, I, I've been thinking, rather, that Delta Squad could be like a sort of foil to... The Bad Batch. The Bad Batch. Obviously, this season, the foil has been Crosshair the whole time. But as I've said a few times... I'm hardly the foil. Let's well, be whatever. real. He's been the guy... He's been the Imperial who's been most, like, intent on seeking them out, right? Right. But, as I've said a few times, I would... I hope that they just get Crosshair back at the end of this season. That's my hope, at least. And so, for the next season, if there is one, we would need a different threat. And I think Delta Squad would be, if anything, better... Instead of Crosshair and his, like, gang of losers. <laughs> his gang of just enlistees. Yeah. I think it'd be really cool if it was Bad Batch. Or, uh, Delta Squad. Um, I mean, he probably will be with the Bad Batch. I mean, I... Here's... Uh, let me put it like this. His inclusion in this episode, I think, is not nothing. Not... Now I say that. I was gonna say, generally speaking, if they go through the trouble of modeling a character for the animated shows, that means something. Right, of course. I mean, because this animation is not, yeah, more on the exactly. higher end. It's three D, especially given again that they was mostly plain white commandos. The fact that they had one that was Scorch in there, I think, says something. Now, I I kind of got in my own head about it, and maybe convinced myself otherwise because, like I did say, he is in an episode of the Clone Wars, so they could have just reused that model. But I don't know. I guess I'm I'm gonna hold out hope that it's they did that on purpose because they're gonna use him and the rest of the Delta Force or Delta Squad in. In the future. I think that'd be really cool. If I knew who they were, I'd probably think so, too. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, next season of Bad Batch, that they will, if they are, as we say, if we're, we'll work on the assumption that you're correct and mm-hmm. 
they're the foil, and that let's say Crosshair goes back, so we have a whole Bad Batch back plus Omega, and we have the Delta Force to be their foil. They really just got to do plot. I got to be honest. Like most of those episodes, better be plot, or they got to be no, less episodes. Because so. um, I'm really, I'm not. Again, I wasn't a fan of a lot of these episodes. Yeah. Because they just weren't like nothing happened. Like I could, you could skip them and nothing would change. Like you could watch the first four episodes of this and one in the middle, and then the, these last, this one going to the end, and probably not miss that much. You're you're probably right for the most part. I mean, I just enjoy it because it's. It's Star Wars. Well, yeah, I mean, all like I'm having fun. Like, there's not been an episode that I've really hated, but I do agree. Some of them are, or a lot of them rather, are more, or or less sort of impactful than others. But I don't know. I think it's not so bad. I guess if you gave me the option of having all sixteen or like just the eight really good ones or whatever, I'd probably just take them all. Still, I'd probably take the eight. But then yeah. again, I don't really like Star Wars as much, so. You know, that's not um, knocking anybody who does want all 16. Just my preference. I guess I should... Well, I, I kind of realized I never really explained to you what Delta Force... Or Delta Squad is. Sorry. Fuck. We're going to keep doing that. I, do, I did it on purpose. So. so, Delta Squad. There's four of them, right? Because in... At, at least at one point. I don't know. You know, canon is weird. But Clone Commandos worked in squads of four. Right. There's four of them. It's Boss. It's the leader. Um, He's the orange one over there. Boss Ness? No, he's just called Boss. Boss? And then Fixer is green. He's like the tech guy. Well, so here's the thing. The reason I said that is because people have pointed out, I think as early as like their introduction in the Clone Wars or even maybe earlier when those storyboards like that I've talked about before, the animatics were released about the Bad Batch, is that the Bad Batch is in a lot of ways just a canon Version. Delta squad. Because like I said, Boss is just kind of the like the rough and tumble leader, which would be Hunter. Fixer is the tech guy. So he would just be tech. Yeah. Sev is their sniper. So he would obviously be crosshair. crosshair. And he's like the same kind of thing. He's like this gruff, like raspy, like kind of guy. Snaky man. No nonsense man. And then their demolitions guy is Scorch, who's like, he's like the jokey comedic relief one. Like Wrecker. Which literally, yeah, almost lines up one to one with the Bad Batch, mm-hmm. at least prior to the inclusion, obviously, of Echo and. Omega. So that's why I think they would, like, that would be a proper foil. Instead of just one of the Bad Batch fighting the whole Bad Batch, if you had four guys who were almost, like, yeah, exact kind of foils to members of the Bad Batch, I think that'd be that'd be cool. And I think that would even help the story, because if they, if that almost lead into Crosshair coming back and make a better story for season two, because if Crosshair comes back, then all four, then it's four, it's four against four, like, yeah. they all line up. But also they have Omega and Echo, who the other team doesn't have. Yeah. So it'd be kind of like, well, now they can, if they're in a team fight, they're kind of up two men. Like they got two guys up yeah. on them, so they can kind of instead of. Easier. But that's still better than what this season has been, which is they've had four guys up on Crosshair. Yeah, Crosshair just beat the hell out of them. Because no, I'm saying they like Crosshair's never had like, yeah. a chance against them. So yeah, if the, if you did it more like this, then it would be a little even, which would be nice. And I just really like him, so I'd like to see him. <laughs> and also, there's a similar plot. To this in, this is I'm really digging deep. So there's the game, right? And then there's a there was a series of books. I think there's five Republic Commando books, and there was also ones that were meant to be, but never completed, kind of thing. Right. Um. And in those Republic Commando books, those follow with a different squad of Republic Commandos. It follows Omega Squad, but Delta Squad appears, and those books go all the way up to Order sixty six, and uh, also pass. The fifth of them is takes place after Order sixty six. The, they're legends, so the the chips don't don't play a role. Um, the clones are actually like a uh, uh, recurring theme of that series is that the clones are like independent and rebellious, and mm. a lot of them choose to not fight the Jedi and go live on Mandalore. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, because their trainer is a Mandalorian, 
that's a Legends thing that isn't really in canon any, any longer, but... All the clones were trained by Mandalorian. Yeah, basically, Jango Fett hired a bunch of Mandalorians to help him train all the clones. That makes sense. Um, so he's he, like, adopts them as, like, his family, and they all flee. But one of the characters in particular does not escape and is is pressed into imperial service as a command as an imperial commando not no longer you know a republic commando um and he i think he's placed either with delta squad because they are down a member because in the republic commando game sev goes missing at the end during the the battle of kashik and then yeah i don't know all i'm saying is like that there's a precedence for this is like the republic commandos becoming imperial commandos and like working as you know the foil to to stop rebels and stuff so i think it would work and again i i guess maybe it could be a coincidence but i gotta imagine the reason they put him in there was so that they could set that up and use him and some of or all the other members of delta squad again delta force uh-uh. which i'm really excited for because yeah. yeah i don't know i really like that game and, and stuff i told you the other day about the uh the ultimate collector's edition that i bought of it Jeez, how much that running back is a hundred dollars huh? which isn't awful for like collectors editions of video games, yeah, except not. when you consider that the video game is like fifteen years old and costs like nine dollars now. So if it was a sixty dollar game and I was getting other stuff with it, you'd be like, oh, not so bad. But yeah. when it's only like a nine dollar game and you get ninety one other dollars, yeah, paying for other crap, it'd be pretty cool though. I'll probably do a live unboxing when I get it. Will you? Yep, on the show. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Good. Or am I? I'll just do a live unboxing that's just you and me, and I'm going to make you watch me open it. That's even worse, because then I can't cut that out of my exactly. life. Exactly. <laughs> you can't cut it out of your... You, you can cut it off the show all you want, but you'll never be able to cut it out of your memory. I'm never to cut it out of my eyes. That's right. I'll take years of therapy to do that. Did you have anything else to say? About the Bad Batch? Or anything. About anything in general? Oh, shit. I almost forgot a thing. Never mind. I'm oh, not shit. nearly done ranting about nerd shit. Um, another, that's, all this, that's all the show is, is ranting about nerd shit. Another so. cool reference. So, beyond just the commandos and Scorch the Commando in particular... The clones, I can't believe I almost forgot this, wow. I or rather, not the clones, the stormtroopers. So they're wearing new armor, right? They're like, what's that new armor? Who are, what are all these clones It's not wearing? quite stormtrooper armor. No, it's not. You know what it is, Jack? How would I know so what it is? So the stormtroopers, or whatever they are, these proto-stormtroopers, and they're like, oh, it's clones, and they realize that it's, it is conscripts, right? So this is clearly like the first batch of stormtroopers. It, obviously, in the early in the season, they like tried it, they tested it out with crosshairs squad there and now they're like okay we're we're gonna expand it out to a full army essentially right and the the commandos are there training them and gregor as well and stuff the episode's called war mantle if you remember i do earlier in the season that was the name of their project for replacing all the clones with conscripts was war mantle i did not know that also it appears in rogue one that's that's about star wars movie yeah Um, oh you just said yeah you just said yeah it's a good movie there's audio of you saying yeah Uh, um you're here first folks when she's in the when they're in the vault and they're trying to retrieve the plans for that star, yeah. Which what what do they call that? Operation to kill the moon. No, it's like the name of her. Um, it's the things that her dad called or whatever. It's like Operation Stardust. That's what they call it. Operation Stardust. No, shut up. I said Stardust. And one of the projects that she scrolls by is called Operation War Mantle, and that's what this is. Right. All this is just to say that the armor that they're wearing, like you said, it's not quite. It's obviously not clone armor, but it's not quite stormtrooper armor. What that armor is, it's the Ralph McQuarrie concept art for Stormtroopers. Huh. So Ralph McQuarrie is the concept artist who did all the concept art for the original trilogy. Right. A lot of which obviously made it into the original trilogy in some form. And a lot of which made it into the prequels and stuff even. Or even into the sequels and stuff. And he was a big inspiration. They, They took a lot, a lot of his designs for Star Wars Rebels. Either just between like 
the stylistic choices or like they introduced new stormtroopers, which essentially used Ralph McQuarrie designs. They introduced right. uh, Zeb, Gareth Zebarellius from that show. He uses essentially the Macquarie design for Chewbacca. Oh, is it the big guy? Yeah, the big purple guy. That's essentially what Chewbacca originally looked like. Thank God he didn't look like that for real. What's that? Well, Chewbacca didn't look like that. that no, that, I've, that in live nearly. action would not look good. No, there's a lot of, and that's a lot of the stuff in Rebels. Like I'm saying, is reused designs and stuff and repurposed from the Macquarie sketches. And this Dude, is picture of it. Was that, yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. They got like shields yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. In the original, um. Scripts of Star Wars, um, the Stormtroopers all had lightsabers, too. Good thing they took that out. That'd be weird. No, I think they'd be kind of late. They'd take a little bit away from the mystique. But yeah, they carried shields and swords instead. I don't know if you ever noticed, it's on the clones as well, but there's this little cylinder that's on the back of Stormtroopers' belts, and clones um, as well, for that matter. Yeah. Um, originally, that was meant to be a lightsaber. Oh, okay. Yeah. A Shoto blade in the back that you just yank out? No. Like a, like a hilt that you would turn on. Like a, oh. Like a lightsaber. Whatever, what man. You, what? I'm cutting this out. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Just um, all so you that want. Was, that was another cool little reference. It was, it was chock, absolutely chock full of them this week. Great, Good stuff. And I got none of them. Yep. No. No, you didn't. That's why you got me, though. So I can explain them to you. And you can you can bask in the wonder, wonderment of it all. I'm basking in something. Uh, so let's not take off Bad Batch. Right. And uh, I don't know if this is what you're going to jump into, but I'll go do it first. Uh, the Black Widow controversy starting yeah. Sure. That's what I was gonna so do. now this is going to be the fourth week in a row that we're talking about Black Widow. <laughs> in some form or another. In some form or another. I hope anybody likes it. <laughs> I think I'm a pretty big fan of it, but... I mean, this is hardly about Black Widow. Yeah, it's, we're, we're getting removed from it as we go. But anyway, the controversy is that uh, Scott Johansson is suing Disney because in her contract they said they would not do this as a streaming release. It'd be an exclusive theater release and that she'd lose, she'd lose out of money. That's in, kind of it. In her kind of you mind if I do it? Well, now I cut it out. I just did the whole thing. So, that's not, no, you don't have to cut it out. Let me just elaborate. Um, no, so for you guys who don't know, Scarlett Johansson, as with a lot of big actors in Hollywood, once you get to a certain kind of level, when you do movie deals, you're not just getting paid. A lot of times, once you have enough sway, part of your pay scheme is points on the back end, they call it. That's, that's how it's hard for Points on the back end, right? Yeah. Which means that you get some percentage points of the gross of the movie, right? How much money it makes at the box office. There's, again, countless of these, right? It's why some people make, like, crazy money. Like, some, in the past, it's actually been done as, like, almost a way to, to pay people less. Yeah. Like, famously, Keanu Reeves was, part of his pay scheme for The Matrix was, like, he didn't get paid very much, but they're like, we'll give you a couple points on the on the back end, Keanu. And then it blew up. And then it, he made, he's made, like, I think literally, like, over $100 million off of that, all told. Because yeah. The Matrix so, did so well. Sometimes it works out for you. Um, sometimes. Famous, another famous one. They tried to get for the Lord of the Rings movies Sean Connery to be Gandalf. Yeah. And he refused, and they kept trying. And one of their things to try to win, they were like, if you do it, we'll give you these these points on the back end. I don't remember exactly what it was. But it also, because Lord of the Rings is so successful, it would have turned out to be like millions upon millions of dollars. But also, famously in that Sean Connery situation, one of the reasons he didn't do it is because he didn't understand the script. He's like, yeah. oh, what, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Kind of, I don't, I don't really know if I'd want Sean Connery as Gandalf. I think Ian McKellen is no, kind of great. I, I like, wouldn't change it either. Yeah, but so like, what's his name? Robert Downey Jr. gets has been getting points on the back end of oh, all the Marvel he movies made, forever. Is crazy money, uh, and that's what's made him the what? Like I think when, top paying, top paid actors. Right. 
I think when they got him to do Civil War, because he was not originally contracted to do Civil War, they renegotiated specifically for that movie to get him in. I'm pretty sure he got back points on the back end of that. And so Scarlett Johansson, who produced, as well as obviously starred in um, Black, Widow. Black Widow, because she was a star of this one. I don't know if she's ever gotten points on the back end in any of the other Marvel movies before. I don't know if anyone really does, other than Robert, Robert Downey Jr. I really don't know. Um, Going forward, they might. Yeah, you never know. Again, though, you have to be of a certain size nowadays to warrant it. And so clearly for this one, they negotiated that for her because she was the star. And also, like, Scarlett Johansson is literally the most marketable actress in Hollywood. Oh, 100%. Uh, maybe her stars waned a little bit, but there's there was consistently a period where she was the highest paid actress in Hollywood. Probably almost entirely because of the Marvel movies. <laughs> but so, yeah, because they chose to release it on digital, they needed to kind of reevaluate that that pay structure right because their whole deal was that she gets x amount i don't i don't even know if we know or if it's been revealed or whatever what the percentage is but it's almost relevant that for the tickets that are sold she gets a certain percentage of the profit from that right right but so then by putting it onto premiere access onto disney plus it kind of becomes like muddled like does she get that same percentage or should they renegotiate a percentage or whatever the case may be and they did not do that <laughs> and so now she's suing them it's uh, apparently kevin feige's upset about it that's what i saw and that was kind of interesting because i kind of as i read more and more about it i kind of got down the rabbit hole like my, my opinion shifted back and forth about six different times because <laughs> first i was like man this is crazy she must be really i don't know angry about this because i thought it was like if this burns a bridge with Disney, like... You can't get that bridge back. Well, right, and Disney... Now, a lot of people are like, well, she's done with Marvel anyways. That's the thing I've seen repeated a lot. And while I think that's probably true for the most part, although you never know if she comes back or not. Or at this rate, maybe not. <laughs> <clears throat> all right, but while that's true and all, Disney isn't just Marvel. Like, not nearly. Yeah. They think um, that is hubris. Right. The fact that, like, she... If she really does fully burn a bridge with Disney, that she can't be in any Star Wars or... Obviously, any Marvel properties, but or anything Fox, like yeah, Disney owns so much now to just be like, oh, you know, she, uh, well, she's done with Marvel anyways. I don't think it was right. But the more I was reading, a lot of people have said that stuff like this in Hollywood can kind of come down to just being like essentially just a business transaction. Like there might not be any ill will involved. Yeah, it's just like just kind of happens. I've also saw right before we saw the episode that a couple celebrities who have worked with Disney have come out. Like and been like, yeah, I know what she's talking like with, uh, with for Scar with Scarlet. Uh -huh. Been like, I know what she's talking about. I, I don't remember who said it. Some actor quote was quoted as saying, uh, "Disney is notoriously difficult to work with. Like how they can like really nickel and dime you if they want to." Yeah. So I I think this is a and I'm not really surprised. It's Disney. If they're not making money, they don't want anyone else really to because then it kind of takes away from yeah. them. So I'm not really surprised. And obviously, I'm not gonna sit and defend Disney. But like you said, apparently Kevin Feige was not happy about it, which is like, okay. So, like, he's on her side kind of deal. So, it it seems to me that if she wanted to do a project in the future, she probably would. Yeah. Like I said, people say that this kind of stuff is just – it really is just kind of business, for better or worse. So, like, they probably won't – there won't be personal grudges on either, either way of it. I've, I was reading that, like, the creative and business sides of Hollywood Studios can be very separate. Yeah. So, like, while she may be pissed at Disney for their business decisions, that probably doesn't mean she doesn't want to work with any of their creators ever yeah. again. Because obviously she's a very positive relationship with everybody at Marvel yeah, and stuff. exactly. And again, this supports that. Clearly, Kevin Feige wasn't like, nah, in on fuck it. you, you'll get what you want. 
Well, you'll get whatever we give you. Yeah. He was also like, hey, what the hell? Give her give her her money. Yeah, come on now. Like she did so, the movie, yeah. she produced it, give her what she's yeah. owed. I don't know. I would say Disney's pretty much just the bad guy in this situation. You're like, just give her money. Or the thing is, not even just that. It was like that her lawyers reached out to them when they learned that it was going to go to to streaming and being like, okay, can we negotiate some kind of pay scheme for this? And they just ignored her. So clearly they didn't. They just the business side of this was like, we don't give a fuck. I think that's really what it kind of I I guess I suppose you could be like, oh, they probably just didn't know or didn't realize or like missed it. I think the real answer is probably that. Someone made the calculated, like, math of it and, like, well, we'll lose more by paying her than we would potentially in a lawsuit kind of thing. So yeah. we'll just risk it. And if she sues us, it's whatever. We'll deal Disney. with it. We yeah. have so much. We have, What do they have, like, something that just in free capital, like, loose liquid capital, they have, like, $300 million. Yeah, like, so. they could throw... They get their two-thirds of that away and still have $100 million just lying around doing nothing. That's not, yeah. like, anything they've invested in or something like that. And one the other thing, I, someone had this take, which I I don't, I really don't disagree with, is like, regardless of how this ends, the obviously the uber rich corporation will still be uber a very rich. rich corporation, and the uber, the rich, uber rich celebrity will also still be uber rich. Because yeah. again, she's literally the most successful actress like currently, so like she's got plenty of money. I don't know. Like I saw some people be like, this is probably maybe her management pushing her. As well, because like obviously all the money she gets, they get some of. So they're like, "Well, give us some more money. Give us all the money." Yeah, yeah. I, people are like really like applauding this to be like, "Oh, this is this is great." You know, this is gonna. She's really standing up for actors everywhere, and I kind of agree with that maybe to an extent. I don't. I don't know if I fully buy that. I really do think again that it's kind of a business thing, and she's just like, "Well, I want what I'm owed." Cause which is fair enough, I think. I yeah, I agree as well. Again, like, at the same time, like I, I, I. I even though I did just say Disney is a bad guy, I don't know if I can be super mad. I mean, it's just shitty. It is shifty. Like, there's no two ways around it. But, like, at the end of the day, they're going to try to get away with whatever they can. Like, why wouldn't they try to do that, I guess? I mean, yeah. like, they're just kind of shifty. Everyone knows that about Disney, I guess, at this point. Even though they're, like, a family brand, they're also, like, notoriously cutthroat and yeah. shifty. So, like, this idea, like, oh, she's stand-up for actors everywhere. This is gonna This is going to set a good precedent. This is going to be, like, a watershed moment. Uh, that I also I don't think I can fully agree with because my thoughts on it are like, like I said, only big names get these kind of deals. This idea that's just like, yeah, she's sticking up for all the people who got screwed out of their points on the back end. Like, no, that doesn't like happen. Robert like, Downey Jr. Right, like Brad Pitt or Leo exactly, DiCaprio. Exactly, because people are like, oh, this is she, she's she's doing a service by fighting this because the the little guys out there they don't have the resources she has to fight this. While that is true, the little guys aren't getting deals like this. Like, yeah. this is not a problem that a young and upcoming actor faces. Obviously, like just generally being having shifty contracts and stuff is one thing. So, like, if this just causes Disney to treat their actors better going forward, that's one thing. But yeah specifically being like she's standing up for all the little guys it's like the little guys don't get points on their back end they don't get screwed out of streaming deals because they just get paid up front like this isn't going to come up again for i was i was thinking about this like any of the other movies this year the marvel movies in particular i was trying to think i don't think anyone in shang chi anyone in the eternals or anyone in spider-man would be getting points yeah i don't yeah, i really don't think so so like to act like this is a super common thing again if it's just more the general vibe of like disney being shifty and holding them accountable that's one thing but this is not yeah this specific issue does does not come up often yeah no i certainly agree also oh i wanted to say she's suing them for 50 million dollars which to me is a fuck ton and that's disingenuous i think on her side like she loses me a little there because i don't think they actually believe that to me there's no way because 
I was trying to think, and, like, maybe you'll disagree, but even her, again, being, like, the most marketable actress in Hollywood, I can't imagine that she got more than, she would have got more than, like, 10% of the gross. Like, that seems very high yeah. to go to her specifically, right? So let's say that she did have 10% to be generous. For her to be asking for $50 million, that would mean that they, her and her representation believe that the movie made $500 million on Disney+, Plus, which there's no way. It hasn't made nearly that much on theaters yet. Theaters. And people, and the premiere acts is something that people don't like. Like, It's a practice that they don't like about Disney. If anything, it should should make much less money overall. Because less people will do it. Like, because, like, you know, you, me, and and a third guy joined us, right, when we went to see Black Widow. We paid, like, almost $20 a ticket apiece. Getting on premiere access is $30 flat rate, and you keep it forever. Like, if you and I want to go back to the theater, we have to buy it all over again. If we had bought it here... The three of us could have watched it and then watched it again every night for <laughs> eternity. Ever. Every year. And they only got that one thirty dollars out of us. So I would say, if anything, they got they made much less off of Disney+. Plus. And, they, and I mean, those $50 million, the, the numbers they start out with always probably start high so they can bargain well, no, down. exactly. Which I guess you, she can't be faulted too much for doing that because that is just what I guess you do in situations like this. But I still thought it was lame. I was like, you can't actually believe that, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't like that part of it either because I was like... Uh, unless I'm wrong, and maybe she got a greater percentage, but even still, it it couldn't have made that much money on Disney Plus. Yeah, I agree. Because the other thing is, like, apparently piracy's been something of a problem with it because obviously they released it to the internet essentially, like day one, and so all it took is one person to buy it for thirty bucks and rip it, and then it's out there. And obviously, the type of individuals who would be more likely to buy it on Disney Plus as opposed to going to a theater might also be more likely to just pirate it. Yeah, just pirate straight up, and plus it's a better quality, so. It's just right up Disney Plus, so it's not right. like you're ripping exactly. it from like it's a not theater. Like, yeah, where yeah, when pirated copies come out of movies early, it's usually yeah, like cam footage from a theater. Whereas this is literally yeah, you can rip the HD version from Disney Plus and and pirate that. You know, just interesting. Like you said, I saw I've seen other actors come out. I saw it. This is this, this was an interesting one to me. Gerard Butler came out. And he's suing, I think it's called Millennium Entertainment, which is apparently a particularly shady Hollywood studio about his pay scheme for Olympus Has Fallen. Oh, yeah. Which is very strange because that's a movie from like eight years ago and a movie that he's made two sequels for. (laughs) (laughs) So Um, he's already probably made all that money that he'd want. That's kind of what I thought. I thought that was weird, but yeah. So again, if if it just means that Hollywood studios are better, treat their actors better, that's one thing. Like, but if it's just to get more money. But, well, that's really, that's honestly my thought about it. It's just at the end of the day, I can't, I can't care too much. Yeah, you can't um, shake the feeling that it's just because this was like when there was like the Spider-Man wranglings between Sony and Disney. Yeah. And people were like, they were making out Sony to be the good guy and Disney to be the bad guy, ostensibly because <laughs> I guess Disney is a slightly larger multi-million-dollar corporation. Yeah, than, but than Sony, Sony isn't. I don't. It's like and they like, forget the, who makes PlayStation. That's what Sony. I'm saying. Like, it was crazy to me when people were like, little guy Sony sticking it to Disney. And I was like, dude, Sony is also a multi-billion dollar yeah. corporation. Are we are we serious right now? It's just because they want a thing? Like, Yeah. I mean, that was a whole thing, too. I mean, we won't get into it too much. But, like, I remember thinking that was lame. Because, to me, Spider-Man should belong to Marvel. Like, Sony did nothing other than buy it and make some fine movies with it. Yeah. But Disney owns Marvel, which is still the, the company that created the character. Whatever. Yeah, we should. If we get into it, we'll we'll probably rant about it when we get to. It's the same kind of thing. It's like who's really like belonging. Like these are just corporations, 
And again, like we said, Scarlett Johansson is unbelievably wealthy. Yeah, she makes more money than most people ever see in their lives. Yeah, obviously. $50 million? That's wrong. I can't even fathom that much money. That's what I'm saying. Like, to treat her like, yeah, get her queen. It's like, the internet loves, is, is, is very bipolar sometimes. They love their underdog story. Because they love to eat the rich, but then as soon as it's a it's a rich actress, we're all like, yeah, because because we hate Disney more. But also, like, why is she that rich? Does she need to be that rich? Yeah, she I mean, I don't mind, but I'm just saying, like, there's Pick so many people who are like, yeah, eat the rich, down with billionaires and shit. And I guess she's not a billionaire yet, but she's a she's on her way, I guess. Yeah, she, I mean, they're all, yeah. Like, it's whatever. So, again, I guess I hope it goes her way, but I also can't care because she's already rich. She She's not hurting. She's rich beyond her wildest dreams. Yeah. Shouldn't they agree? So anyway, that's the end of the episode. You can always find us on Spotify, Podbean, and Amazon slash Audible, and uh, Google Podcasts as well, more recently. Still trying to figure out Apple, guys. Being real hard. I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, and as always, you can email us at akatakjazz. That's akatakjaz at gmail.com. Uh, tell us what you thought. Uh, suggest something for us to watch or something. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. Yep. And maybe, hey, if you ask a question, maybe we'll respond to it on the podcast. And we're at Twitter. Yeah, we have, we're at Twitter. Thank you. Yeah, Akatak Jazz as well. Um, which Twi- is Akatak J-A-Z. Yeah, same as our email. So yeah. if, if you get the email, you got the Twitter. Yeah. So if um, Twitter's better for you, it's there. And then that has a link to our Podbean, which just has the links to everything else. So. Yeah. So just however you find it, you'll yeah. be able to find everything else. And as always, our logo was done by a friend of the show, Jeffrey Gonzalez. You can follow him at inkocean.jpg. And, you know, we wrote it, we produced it, and we built all the sets. And that'll be all. Have a good week, everybody. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye, Zach. Bye. There you go.